The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today John Wadsworth, who is the astrological expert involved in the Glastonbury Zodiac, the landscape zodiac features that Catherine Maltwood discovered back in the 1930s, and I'm really looking forward to having this discussion with John today. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Peter. Nice to be here. So perhaps we could start, actually, by, by finding out a little bit about, about your own personal journey and how you first became interested in astrology. Well, it, um, it all began uh, just over 20 years ago. Um, I had had no experience with astrology. I'd never even read my... Uh, I never even read my astrological sign in the newspaper or anything. And um, I was in Spain, and I had a weird meeting with a guy in a bar on a remote beach in southern Spain, actually at the point where um, Europe and Africa virtually touch. It's a point that's known as the Pillars of Hercules, which I always thought was significant because it was kind of the beginning of my own hero's journey in a way. And um, this, guy looked me in, look, this guy looked me in the eye. We'd been chatting for about half an hour, and we'd found these most extraordinary synchronicities in our life stories. He looked me in the eye, and he said, you must be an Aries, mate. And, uh, and I couldn't believe how he could know that or get that or understand that. And it kind of blew my mind. And um, I, I could have just brushed it off and carried on with my life, but something happened. It was as if this recognition sort of turned a key I began to read a little book that he gave me about it and um and and couldn't believe what I was reading because it was like reading my own secret diary and uh, I I ended up going outside looking um, lying under the full moon it was a full moon full moon sky beautiful night sky the tide had come right up and almost flooded the place where we were and I just had this epiphany under the night sky and uh, and I became an astrologer that night I always say because it was like a deep understanding kind of just came flooding through me. And um, I quit everything that I was involved with. I was just about to finish a, a degree, a university degree in estate management, um, which, which suddenly was completely meaningless and irrelevant. Irrelevant, within, yes. <laughs> within a year, I'd become a professional astrologer. <laughs> wow. 
So you felt it, it was inherently in you from the beginning, it just needed to come out? Yeah, and it's always felt, in fact, astrology for me has always been, um, and when I teach astrology, I always say to people, this is something that you're remembering, it's not something that you're learning for the first time. And literally remembering, you know, it's like reconnecting in a really embodied way. And I like to teach astrology in a very embodied way, and including the body, not just the mind, but the whole, the whole body, the whole energy field in the learning, because I, 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 I believe that, that astrology and the zodiac is something that we all carry within us, and that was certainly my experience. That you know, I was I was recovering knowledge that I that I that I um, and, and as it came, it was, it was just one epiphany after another. It was extraordinary, and it was it brought, it brought me to life. And so, in terms of the way in which you work with astrology today, uh, just talk us a little bit about that in more detail in terms of the way in which you you work with astrology. Um, well, I, I obviously I see clients one to one. I've done been doing that for twenty years, and uh, but I, I I do a lot of teaching and I run courses here in Glastonbury. I run a year long astrology course where I teach people astrology, but I do it through movement and music and myth and storytelling, and actually finding ways of again of bringing out um, the knowledge of astrology for people. But the other thing that I do is I run. A program here called the Alchemical Journey, which I've been, uh, which I run with Anthony Thorley, who I know you've met when you were in England, um, and uh, we've been running this together now in Glastonbury for three years. And as part, and really, we're, we're we're journeying into the mystery of each astrological sign, and we're doing that in all sorts of ways, um, but trying to tap the the transformational alchemical power that each of the zodiac archetypes carry. And again, we do that in a variety of ways. Um, some of the ones I already mentioned that we use on the astrology course, but um, one of the things that we do is we walk in the Glastonbury zodiac in the figures of the, of the Glastonbury zodiac, the giant effigies that are mapped out in the landscape around Glastonbury. And we do that every month. And so we spend half a day of, of a weekend walking um, in the landscape, walking along paths and, and, and trackways that, that, that map out these extraordinary figures in the landscape. And it's a journey of incredible synchronicity. It's, it's like it kind of it puts things back together for people, you know, as, as we walk in these, what have become for us sacred temenos places. You know, these are places of, of, of revelation, of epiphany, of, of, of realization. You know, incredible things happen to us as we go into these journeys and, and sometimes they're very subtle sometimes they're kind of right in your face but they people come away from the weekends sort of pondering some really quite deep truths about themselves and going through sort of major transformational experiences so john actually you probably should give our listeners a little bit of background about the uh, the, the landscape zodiac itself because there may be some people who are not familiar with what the actual Glastonbury Zodiac is and how it was discovered. So perhaps you just give a little overview of that. Sure. Um, well, the Glastonbury Zodiac um, was uh, discovered, you could say discovered or rediscovered, um, by a lady called Catherine Maltwood in the, in the late 1920s, and sort of over a period of time, 1920s, and it really established, it was really established in print in the first time in the 1930s. And um, she had a, a, a kind of a revelation. Um, she, was, she was looking for, uh, King, for the stories of, of King Arthur and his knights in the Somerset landscape. This is how she came upon the Zodiac. 
And um, in looking for these, <clears throat> in looking for these, for these uh, characters of myth, she suddenly one day beheld a lion in the map that she was looking at. She saw this lion around the, the town of Somerton, a few miles south of Glastonbury. And she, she began by seeing its underbelly marked out by a, a local river here, the River Carey. And then she, then she saw it, it, its, its legs and, and its back and everything and then its head. And, and suddenly this lion, she was confronted with this lion on the map. And this confirmed a story that she was looking for in the Arthurian um, legend. She was looking for a story, you know, she was looking for a line in a way. She was trying, you know, she, or she was convinced that there would be a line somewhere. And then suddenly this line appeared to her. And then another figure appeared to her shortly after, which, which, which is the figure that has become one of the Gemini twins. And this was the, the character that, that she identified at the time um, as, uh, as Orion. Um, or, or actually later, wasn't, she, didn't, she didn't realize it was Orion for a little while, but she was looking, it, it was kind of a giant figure anyway. And so she had a, she had a lion and a giant. And in the first, um, she, she sort of figured she'd found enough to be able to put something together and, uh, on a map. And this map appears as, a, as a, um, uh, an inset uh, in a book on the high history of the Holy Grail. Uh, printed in the 1930s as a rewrite of the of the high history, and this map shows that she's already developed the lion. She's found the lion. She's found um, the uh, this giant figure, and she's also found another figure, which is which becomes the, the Aquarius figure. And then, um, as the story goes, she met a friend who um, looked at what she'd found and said, "Well, I think you've got a zodiac here." And and she'd heard about something Madame Blavatsky had talked about in. Secret Doctrine, which was um, this idea of a landscape zodiac, of zodiac, of a zodiac laid out on the ground. But no one had ever really, no one had ever documented one, no one had ever really talked about an actual zodiac before that. So this is the first, as far as we know, the first actual landscape zodiac, the first mapping of the stars of the zodiac figures <clears throat> onto the ground. I'm not, not an entirely new new idea to map the stars onto the ground of course I mean you know you could look at many examples of that different parts of the world of, of monuments being built in alignment to stars this is fairly now becoming um, far more widely accepted but the first zodiac as far as we can tell um, that, that, that she established there and this was developed then by a lady called Mary Kane who really uh, who changed a couple of the figures and kind of kept the thing going in a way because it could have it could almost have died with with Catherine uh, when she died, but Mary Kane took it up and it and it's become it's it's now legendary in, in Glastonbury. You know, I mean, most people who live here know about the zodiac, and people from all over the world. Um, it, it's one of the sort of key mysteries of Glastonbury now. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And and so what I'd actually like you to do because it, obviously this is what's the most important piece of this is people need to understand not only its historical development but its relevance today. So why don't Absolutely. you shift now into talking about the actual astrology uh, of today, of now, and then we can see how, how the landscape zodiac can help us with what is taking place as we journey towards the 2012, as people say. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, we obviously have this great portal, don't we, in, in 2012 in, in the, um, through, the Mayan, through the Mayan tradition, 
um, December the 21st, 2012, which has become such an iconic, magnetic, charismatic moment, hasn't it, in, um, you know, in, in our, in our, of our times. Really and nice, yeah. it, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, I go into schools with a planetarium and teach, teach the kids about the sky and, and every single class I get asked by a kid, you know, is the world going to end in 2012? <laughs> it's incredible. You know? It's, it's like, it's, it's there. And this is in, so it's there in the popular consciousness. It's not just within a kind of alternative spiritual awareness, but it's, it's, it, and I think that gives it, that, that, that charges it with even more kind of power. And, and I think we are, I mean, we, I think we all feel it to a greater or lesser extent that we are in, in, in unprecedented times of, 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 of transition. And I think we are, we are on the brink. Um, and I've, I've, I had this, when I, that story I told earlier, 20 odd years ago, uh, that was my most profound realization is that we are on the brink. I had a kind of visionary moment where I saw, well, we're on the, before I even heard of new ages or anything like that. And I, and I, and I've always kind of felt that. And I feel that, that the acceleration of change right now is, um, you know, it's just extraordinary. And it is reflected in the, in the astrology that we work with in the West as well, which I'll say something about if you like. Um, this is um, uh, what we have in terms of the Western astrological take um, by way of, of, of planetary alignment as, as we pass over these times is a, is a very powerful um, aspect being made between the planets Uranus and Pluto. And, and the Uranus, what's called a Uranus-Pluto square, will accompany us a, a, across the 2012 period. In fact, it's coming almost exactly into all this year over the summer, and it will be definitely, um, will definitely be, um, be fully in in 2012, and it will stay with us through 2013, assuming we're still here. That is, of course. Um, but, but I'm pretty sure we will be. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see that, that that day necessarily as a some kind of cataclysmic event, uh, but I do I do see it as a as a as a moment where another moment. I think we've had a series of moments like this, where we where our consciousness just completely shifts and transforms. The Uranus Pluto square, um, Uranus Pluto make make an aspect fairly rarely. The last time they were an aspect was in the nineteen sixties when they made conjunction in Virgo. John, we're just, we're, just coming, we're just coming up to our first break, actually. So okay. what I'd like to do is hold you on this, and then we'll return after this break and, and talk about this really important astrological point you're about to make. This is Peter okay. Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. There is a lot more going on in religion and government than what high-ranking officials are telling you. The Bible uncovers the truth, prophecies, and a world of opportunities. Get the answers you need when you tune into the program To the Stars and Beyond with your hosts Michael List and Adam Hong. We'll explore the religious and spiritual beliefs from ancient history to the prophecies that are shaping the world and current events of today. To the Stars and Beyond airs live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment. 
in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Experience your spiritual journey every week on Synergy with Makila. She's known as the Magician of Light and invites you to come along as we co-create a magical place of accelerated personal and planetary spiritual involvement. Tune in for tools, tips, and support for embracing and embodying the notions that we are all sparks of the divine and that we are all one. Tune in to Synergy with Makila every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Working together, we can bring more joy into our lives and the world. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to remind you of our sponsors, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and the Ambassadors of Light program. And tomorrow, May 26th, I will actually be doing a review of the work that we did in our Taurus landscape. And so it will be really interesting following this show uh, to engage in that uh, opportunity to find out all of the uh, things that happened. And, 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 and as John said, there's this incredible synchronicity that takes place when you're physically standing in the landscape having done the inner work and the understanding of the of the astrology it's really quite wonderful so please do join us on www.myheartcenterjourney.com the ambassadors of light program so john let's return to the discussion around uh, the astrological uh, issues of the next uh, well less than two years now uh, or if we go to 2013 almost two years and you were talking about the Uranus-Pluto square and, and the involvement with Virgo. So just recap that a little bit. Yeah, I'll just recap that, yeah. Um, so the, we had this conjunction of Uranus and Pluto in, in the 60s. And I think that really defined the generation, you know, the whole... Uranus-Pluto is, brings a revolutionary impulse. It turns things on its head, but it does it because of the, because of the Pluto energy. It, it, it destroys the old ways. It destroys the the um, uh, the old ways of doing things, the old ways of thinking, right at the right at the core. Pluto energy strikes right to the core. You know, we're working with the energy of, of the god of the underworld when we're you know when we're thinking about Pluto. That's what we're that's what we're engaged in. And bearing in mind, you know, that we're working with a planet that was only discovered in the 1930s. In other words, it only came into our consciousness in the 1930s. We were only really able to integrate it. Since its discovery, that's the way that I see the discovery of the, of the modern planets. Uranus has been, we discovered that in the 1780s. So it's only in the last 230 years that we've had these outer planets to, to integrate into our consciousness. 
And during that time, there have been very few major aspects with these two particular planets. So I think we're looking at a significant moment in a new paradigm where we have these shifts of consciousness that the outer planets actually represent. So um, the square is a square aspect in astrology creates conflict and challenge. So when you get two big players, Uranus and Pluto coming together like this, it creates a kind of collective surge of, of desire for change. And because of the signs that they're in, um, in the Western system, Uranus is in Aries and Pluto is in Capricorn. So we have these, and these, these two signs sit on what we call the cardinal cross. These are, these are signs that sit on the, on the cardinal points in the zodiac. So they carry extra power because of that. Cardinal energy um, initiates change. It's, it's, it's driven, it's relentless. Change has to happen. When, as, as cardinal energy pushes, pushes through, and the square between them forces through that change. So there's an inevitability that, that structures will uh, disintegrate and crumble. Economic structures, socio-political structures, I suspect. I mean, most astrologers have been talking about this, myself included, with, with Pluto's transit through Capricorn, which is a, about a 20-year process. But really, the key to... And, and, because, because Capricorn represents uh, corporate power, the, the hierarchical structure of our society. Um, Pluto's transit to Capricorn is, is associated, and, 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 and astrologers have been saying for a long time, that this will, this will bring about the destruction of the system that we, that we, that we work within. And, but really, the key, the key moment for that breakdown is while Uranus is making the square, because that actually activates the power of that. It, it releases the potential of it. And I think as they get closer, the acceleration of that process increases. And bearing in mind they get closer right through this year and into 2012 when they make, their, when they make exact conjunction. And, um, and then through 2013, they make another conjunction, and, 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 and then it doesn't really, the, the aspect doesn't really start to separate until 2014, 2015. So the, I, I see it as a, as a, as a, as a symbolic um, moment. You know, it, it, sort of, it sort of verifies the sense that we all have that we're, in, that we're in these extraordinary revolutionary times. And I think it's going to be, it's putting us all into a place where we have to make a choice, really, I think, between what we, you know, do we carry on living in fear or, you know, living conventionally in an, un in an unsustainable way um, with our, just the whole way that the economy is set up, the whole way our, our, our world is set up now is, is, not, is clearly not sustainable. I think that the Uranus-Pluto square is, is forcing that to the surface. And, um, and, and something major, I think, will break within that. But I think in terms of our own, you know, on, on an inner level, on a spiritual level, I think this is the greatest opportunity we've ever had to break through, to move through um, into a completely new paradigm. I think this is, paradigm, this is a paradigm-shifting transit. And just to, to, to then refer back refers back to the to the Glastonbury zodiac I think this is where astrology also and and the zodiac in particular can also come back into its own because it gives us a map 
gives us a kind of unique map of because it's because it's rooted in transformation. It's one of the few surviving magical systems that remain in the collective consciousness. I think it's the best one of the best opportunities that we have is working with the Soviet, working astrologically. It's 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 going it's, it's going to help to keep us tuned into these changes. You know, so. so before you come back to the Zodiac, John, what, what, what is your best guess, uh, put you on the spot a little bit, with all the astrological background you have and working with the Zodiac, what do you think is actually going to happen uh, December 21st, 2012 or around there? <laughs> um, I'm, um, I'm slightly wary of making prediction for that day. <laughs> Partly because I got my fingers burned in 1999 with the, with the solar eclipse. <laughs> I was making okay. a big fuss about it. Right. But but I did notice what I learned from because I don't even remember in 1999 we had that big alignment um, with the solar eclipse of, um, in in August of 99. What I did learn yes. from that, and there were some major events. There, was, there were there were there were some kind of major some um, sort of earth there were some earth changes around that time. But what I learned about it afterwards, but what it represented was something that I've come to call it was a millennial moment. It was a shift in people's consciousness, a shift in people's thinking. A lot of people um, that I worked with astrologically over that time and that I came into contact with had major life-changing experiences during that period. And the same thing, I think, happened last year um, when we had the the Grand Cross alignment in the summer of of 2010. That was was the most intense period I've ever ever known with clients... um, uh, the issues that people were coming to me with as, as an astrologer, quite remarkable. And I think it's, I think that was another, we've had others, I think, during, during the last 10 years, but that was, a, that was the, the next really major millennial moment, um, the Grand Cross of last year. And I think these come in, so there's a series of these, and I think the 2012 one may be the biggest of all. I think, I think this is where people actually turn on. Or they turn off as well. I think it, this, this is where I think that, that, that humanity becomes polarized potentially also um, between, you know, the, 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 taking that, that leap of faith into, um, in, into their true values, into the true potential of, 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 of us as human beings at this time. Or they go, or they just completely go into fear, and I think we're seeing the beginnings of that. But I think that the 2012 moment is a, it's a, it's a, it's another of these crisis moments, um, perhaps the most powerful of all in terms of what will kick off on the planet. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put my neck on the line about it. But, <laughs> you don't have to. I, I'm not. I'm also not discounting any of the scenarios that are being suggested either because I, I you know i think that would also be quite be quite arrogant in a way to sort of try to dismiss any of the scenarios that i mean because there are potentially scenarios that could very dramatically and suddenly um shift us um well it's interesting you uh, sorry go on so I was going to say, it's interesting the language that you've used. We're talking about synchronicity here. And a few weeks ago, I had Walter Cruttenden on, and, and you talk about a turn on or a turn off moment. He actually called it the cock a doodle do moment when we all have the chance to wake up. Um, yeah. And also using the expression crisis moment, uh, again, crisis comes from Christ is. So again, it's another opportunity to go one way or the other, isn't it? Yeah, crisis and opportunity, I think, are very much linked as well, aren't they? They, that, that they are. It is a, it, it, a crisis 
puts us it puts us on the edge it puts us in touch with our potential and and it's how we it's how we respond in that i think what where we are is at the most sensitively tuned moment um you know maybe in history right now and and and, and the the potential that can be released or the catastrophe that can be unleashed you know it's that it's that sensitive i think that's where we are it's like you know and it, i think it can go it can kind of go either way but i think it's you know we still we still have time somehow to turn it around and that doesn't seem to make any rational sense to say that because it looks like you know the way the world the way the environment is the way the, the way the, the way things are going ecologically the way that you know it seems like we're kind of spiraling downward into our own destruction at one level and yet Another, I feel that we we're also at that tipping point where we could just literally, as you say, wake up, and, and there could be a collective waking up. I think, and, I, and that was my interesting. Like, that was the vision I had when I was twenty-one. When I told so John, we're, gonna, we're coming up to our, we're coming up to our second break now, and it's a great time to break because when we come back, we can just reflect upon that, and then go back to the zodiac and see how that can help us prepare ourselves over the next little while. It's Peter Tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Explore the infinite possibilities of the unknown. Learn about the mysterious and mythical realms through time and space. Realize your inner truth. Tune in to Spirit Walker with Dr. Jeffrey Pierce and Dr. Cindy Pierce. Dr. Jeffrey Pierce is a true intuitive. He is legally blind, uses no cards, pendulums, or guides, and has been found to have 97% consistent accuracy based on testing by the United Kingdom Institute of Psychic Sciences Research Center. Listen for topics that others are afraid to address on Spirit Walker, Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. West, on 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Our noetic reality, or divine knowing, is the source of true empowerment. Look beyond your limiting thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and perceptions. You were born to co-create and experience joy and fulfillment. Mastering the Shift, Living Your Noetic Reality with host Rebecca Steele will guide and inspire you each week to live multidimensionally and shift into greater loving and truth. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Network. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. 
and I'm delighted to have this wonderful discussion with John Wadsworth. It's very close to my own heart as we begin our own journey. We've now done our Aries and our Taurus and our first uh, ever uh, alchemical journey through the astrological landscape zodiac here in Victoria, British Columbia. And John is now, now on his third lap of the zodiac over the last three years. So, John, uh, please continue. I just would like to, to, to finish off the, your discussion around the um, astrological features that are coming up now and return that back into the zodiac and how it, how it can help us. Sure. Well, I, there's one, one um, I, I was talking about millennial moments and these, these uh, they're kind of like, I see them as sort of portals, really. Incredible kind of crisis opportunity moments where we can step through that door. I think we're given a number of, 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 um, of very powerful um, times in our lives when we can do that. And I think that, that over this period, there's an increasing number of, of collective opportunities to do that. I mean, you might, have a, you might have a particular transit in your own birth chart that opens up that possibility. And that's what I like to work with, with people one-to-one. But I think there are, there are these collective opportunities as well. And I think there's one coming up when we, uh, on the 1st of July this year, um, that's just over a month away, in 1st July 2011, we have a solar eclipse which reactivates the Grand Cross that I mentioned before, which, which, was, which was in, um, in powerful aspect last, last summer, in 2010. And it's back. This is Grand Cross, the sequel. And it's, uh, it's happening on the 1st of July. The sun and moon make their solar eclipse um, conjunction in, at nine degrees of Cancer, in the sign of Cancer. And this plugs in um, Saturn, Pluto, and Uranus in the other three cardinal signs. So it happens, um, we've got Sun and Moon opposite Pluto, and then we've got an opposition of Saturn and Uranus, Saturn in Libra, Uranus in Aries. And these make a powerful cross or, or, or square, grand cross in the sky in a way that they haven't done since last summer. And I think this is a, this will it may, may, we may find it's even more intense than last than last year because of the because of the fact that this is happening bang on a solar eclipse and solar eclipse um, solar eclipse charts um, are very significant anyway. Solar eclipse is a is, is a powerful astrological moment, and um, the fact that it's that it's hitting hitting off the Grand Cross in this way, I think, makes it really significant. So, I would expect. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, these are like these are like sort of charismatic moments. They pull a lot of things together. They're like powerful magnets. So a lot of um, experience will intensify to a kind of crescendo <clears throat> around around a moment like this, and then it will kind of unfold over the weeks and months afterwards. But I see this as another kind of intensification of energy. I think I, I expect to see that reflected in, in you know in the, in the um, in people's personal lives, particularly, but perhaps also out in the world. I mean, I'm intrigued to know how this, is, this one's going to play out this year. I do think 2011 is a is a, a it's a fraught year. Mars is very strong all year. It's been very strong through the, through the spring. We've got a little bit of a reprieve at the moment. Venus stronger, but um, low, so many planets in Aries. It's been a you know when you see this with the with the revolutionary kind of wake up call that happened in um, first in Egypt, of course. Uh, but also, you know, we're seeing it now with the wars around around the world too. Yeah. So, John, there's two two points. The first one is um, July 1st is actually Canada Day. It's the birthday of Canada, which is obviously no. the country where I am, which is interesting. So we have a collective connection to that. 
interesting to look at that yeah. chart. Actually. I haven't done that, but it'd be interesting to have a look at it. Yeah, have a look at that. It'd be neat. Yeah. And, and, secondly, yeah. I, and secondly, I know that you had a, a personal experience. You just mentioned Egypt and, and the revolution. I know you had a personal experience there yourself. Tell us about that now. Yeah, I have my own kind of revolution there. Um, back in January, uh, just two days before the uh, uh, before the events that unfolded in Tahrir Square, if, if events that, in fact, we were there for, we inadvertently walked right into the middle of it. We came out the tube station right into Tahrir Square the night that started and almost didn't get out. But two days earlier, uh, we'd been in the Great Pyramid in, in Giza. And we'd gone in late in the day. We'd gone in at about three o'clock and... Luckily for us, we were virtually the only people in there. Usually it's packed with tourists in the King's Chamber. And we got in there. And what Colette, my wife, and I have been doing is we've been, we've been singing and chanting in, in different um, tombs and, and pyramids and experiencing these. Uh, and something I've been convinced of for a long time is that these are, you know, these places are, are initiation chambers, sound chambers, places where sound can have a magical transformational effect. So... We were very excited about about um, about making sound in the in the king's chamber, and, and, and we we got in there, found it, we had it to ourselves, and immediately started to, to make sound. And we've been doing that for about fifteen minutes or so, and making a lovely sound. My wife had found this incredible, sort of enchanted little little um, uh, little song that she was singing, and I was sort of singing a low drone. We sang for about fifteen minutes, and then we stopped, moved into the centre of the chamber. And after about half a minute, we were being quiet. We realised that this sound was coming out of the walls, sound that we weren't making, and it certainly wasn't an echo. And it increased in volume, and it increased and increased and increased. And you know, we were looking around; there was nobody else in there, until the the, the sound was was louder than the sound we'd been singing. So this was like an ex, you know, we were just in complete rapture. We had no, there was no explanation for it, except that. This was the gods kind of <laughs> responding to whatever we were doing. And, um, and this went on for about 10 minutes, and during which a couple of people actually walked in, um, looked at us as if to say, what the hell's this? Kind of freaked out and walked out again. And we, well, we were just in complete, you know, bliss. Then it stopped. We went back to the went back to the woods because it's carries on. It's, it's an extraordinary story. We, we went back and, and, and stood um, where we'd been and began to sound again. At which point, this guy walks into the chamber, walks straight across the chamber and and climbs into the sarcophagus. Uh, if you've been to the king's chamber, there's a sarcophagus uh, in there that you can actually lie in. So he lies down in the sarcophagus and begins singing with us, which is wonderful. And we were singing, and ten minutes or so, he gets out and. It's quite gloomy in there, I don't know if you've ever been, but, you know, you can't see that much. There is some dim light, but you can't see very well in there. Anyway, this guy walks straight across to me and goes, hello, John, which completely blew me. I mean, you know, I'm like, do we know each other? How did you recognize me? And he said, oh, yeah, he said, you're a, he said, you're a great astrologer. I've been following your work. So, okay, well, maybe he's seen me on the Internet or something, you know, but how did he recognize me in here? Anyway, we carried on singing for a bit and... Um, and, and another person ended up joining us, and four of us singing. And I kind of assumed that, you know, when we sort of said, you know, when we get out, I'll, we'll, 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 we'll go and have a coffee or something and talk, because obviously there's amazing synchronicity. We know each other, or you know me, or whatever. Anyway, so anyway, we, we begin to leave. He, he leaves first. He's been gone a few seconds out of the chamber, and this sound comes back again. Out of nowhere, this sound just kind of fills the, 
fills the room again. This lady who's been singing with is totally like, wow, what the hell's that, you know? And this has lasts a few seconds, and we're back in that rapture again, and, and then it stops, and we leave, and we follow this guy. Anyway, we follow him out, and we can't see him in front of us. Where the hell did he go? We get out of it. We, we, we assume he's kind of just gone walk very fast or something to get out of the place. We get to the entrance of the pyramid, and he's completely vanished into thin air. This guy vanished never to be seen again. <laughs> Uh, so um, it's one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. The whole thing, from the sound spontaneously happening in the in the space to this guy who seems to have apported out of thin air and back into thin air again. And you know, it's something that sort of changed my life really. And um, and, and 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 one of the things I realised during that experience, I can't explain this rationally, but I, I understood how the pyramids were probably constructed and it was through sound there was something about the quality of sound in there something that i just got this deep insight into that sound can move mountains and huge chunks of stone into place clearly to create these incredible structures that defy any kind of rational explanation as to how they got there so yeah that's that's my story i haven't sort of told that story publicly before so um yeah it's first airing <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about doing that now? How does that make you feel? Um, well, it's, it's, it feels great. I mean, because I'm just sitting in my room here talking to a computer screen. And <laughs> <laughs> I say that but, because, you know, when, when you have these profound experiences and you share them for the first time, you're really giving away a big piece of your soul to the public. So it's, yeah, it's well, a very courageous and brave thing to do. So thank you for doing that. Well, you know, I've only told... I've only told um, people individually so far, but I, f- I felt maybe it was time to, to share it because I know a lot of people have asked me if I would because they've been moved by the story. And um, it, I mean, there's a whole load. I mean, I, I've heard many other stories about incredible things that have happened in there. It is an incredible place, but, you know, I, did, I certainly wasn't expecting anything and certainly nothing as, as extraordinary as that. So, no. Thanks for the opportunity. thousands of people know, John. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 return to the, uh, the zodiac. We've just got a, a minute or so before the next break. So just begin to weave back in how the zodiac can help us with the astrology. Well, from um, I, I believe I mean what we have here in Glastonbury and, and what you're discovering as well in, um, in in Canada is that this this zodiac is like a round table in the Arthurian sense. It's a it's it's a it's a place where where 12, that there are 12 unique and irreducible perspectives that we can, that can, that can orient us in the world. The Zodiac is the basis of all, or many ancient mystery traditions, initiatory traditions. And it can initiate us to another level of the spiral of what we can actually be able to embrace within our consciousness. And I think the Zodiac is able to do that in a coherent, intelligible, um, and epiphanic way. Each sign can be an epiphany of uh, realization. It can connect us back to the cosmos. It can connect together the parts of us that, are, that seem so randomly strewn around. It, it brings things back together that we've forgotten are connected. And it distinguishes things that we've forgotten or distinct. And I think that's its great, one of its great values. And I think as you journey through each sign, you realize that you're, that you're actually treading a path 
And that path with the right consciousness and intention can lead us through this portal, through this gateway, I believe, into, the, into this post-2012 era. That's a really, uh, really nice uh, summary uh, in a very short uh, expression of what, what I'm beginning to realize for sure. It gives, it's really a, a practical tool to take us into this higher level of awareness and consciousness, connecting to all these synchronous, uh, all these synchronous events that take place. So, John, we're coming up to our final break now. When we come back, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the alchemical journey and what actually happens when you do your uh, Landscape Zodiac uh, workshops each month. And perhaps if we have time at the end, we can talk a little bit about the transition that's taking place now uh, from uh, Taurus into Gemini. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. This is a show about you. This is a show about truths. Become the deliberate creator of your own life by exploring the ways in which you intend your own reality. Now, out of the noise of your daily life, emerges a new kind of focus that reveals the inner life of your soul. Here you will find the tools to satisfy lifelong questions and create a new direction for yourself. The program is Finding Oneself with Paul Smith. Join us every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on 7th Wave for an in-depth look at you and the world around you. Learn how to create a new dream for self. There is a lot more going on in religion and government than what high-ranking officials are telling you. The Bible uncovers the truth, prophecies, and a world of opportunities. Get the answers you need when you tune into the program To the Stars and Beyond with your hosts Michael List and Adam Hong. We'll explore the religious and spiritual beliefs from ancient history to the prophecies that are shaping the world and current events of today. To the Stars and Beyond airs live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Experience your spiritual journey every week on Synergy with Makila. She's known as the Magician of Light and invites you to come along as we co-create a magical place of accelerated personal and planetary spiritual involvement. Tune in for tools, tips, and support for embracing and embodying the notions that we are all sparks of the divine and that we are all one. Tune in to Synergy with Makila every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Working together, we can bring more joy into our lives and the world. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to check out www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and our wonderful Ambassadors of Light program, which you can join in at any time. And uh, we'll be talking tomorrow about the journey that we took through Taurus uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I have with me today John Wadsworth, who is the expert on the landscape zodiac astrologically uh, in, uh, in Glastonbury. So, John, uh, you tell us a little bit more about your actual alchemical journey and, and some of the things that you actually do in your workshops to, to work with the Zodiac. Sure, yeah. The, um, well, the workshops are geared around, um, so we have a weekend uh, to, where we literally immerse ourselves in the, in the myths and stories and imagery and symbolism of each Zodiac sign as part of a journey through the wheel. So we're working with the energy of the element, so we're working with, you know, with the energies of fire, earth, air, and water, depending on the sign. Uh, we're working with the, with the myths and stories, and we will embody those. Often we'll, we'll, we'll do a piece of mystery theatre uh, on the Saturday, on the first day of the workshop, to, to really move into the, the, the energy of that, of that sign. We'll work with its ruling planet. And during the weekend, um, we'll run a... A piece of a little piece of astro drama for each um, uh, for each person. So we'll take the the ruling planet uh, that, that that we're working with in terms of the sign that we're working with, the planet that rules that sign. And I, I um, myself and Lynn, who is the other astrologer involved in the, in the project, uh, we'll we'll look at the chart and, and we'll choose a piece of music that that we think can captures that person's Mars position or Venus position or this month's, if it would be Mercury because we're working with Gemini. So we'll look at their Mercury position and we'll find a piece of music that captures that. And then we'll, um, as a group, we will seek to express that Mercury position for that person so that they can actually really journey personally into an experience of, um, of their Mercury um, as it works for them. So rather than interpreting that chart, we're allowing the, we're allowing the guiding spirit, the guiding um, planetary archetype, uh, the god of each um, planet and sign, to actually join us and, and overlight the experience so that, they, so, that, so that it's a journey of discovery rather than a journey of interpretation. The interpretation happens through, uh, spontaneously through our own through our own journey. And the whole of the alchemical journey is rooted in that. It's a, uh, we don't try and interpret away people's experiences by looking at their charts and going, well, that's why you have that experience. You know, it's much more a case that we, we keep it open. We, we allow people to come in at whatever level of knowledge of astrology they have. You don't have to be an astrologer to do this course, you know, to do, to do these weekends. You can just come in with, with, whatever, you know, with whatever's burning in you, with whatever you're grappling with in your life. And you can put that into the alembic. I mean, the alchemical journey, and, and, and as we work with the zodiac, becomes an alembic, a transformational container within which we can bring all our troubles, our sorrows, our joys to it, and they become the prima materia in an alchemical sense of, you know, of, of, what, of what is ready to be transformed into something um, that is more of the essence of who we are, that, that's more in line for us in terms of what, in terms of. Um, you know, where our life is going in an authentic direction. So 
we then take all that we've experienced over you know, through those through those pieces that we do um, indoors. We then take that out into the landscape, and we give all, we give that away to the landscape ritually as, as we as we walk. You know, we're, the landscape will take it. The ground will generously receive whatever we bring to it. And as we do that with 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 with, a, with an open heart and a and a and a, and a mind now um, impregnated with symbolism and imagery. We can then receive. It enables us to receive the synchronicities that are there, ready, ready to be, to be given to us. And so that's really where the landscape aspect comes in. And the landscape is just so full of, of magic. And 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 and, it, and, it, and the legend grows. The temple is built. The landscape temple is built every time somebody walks in it with a with a particular intention. So I feel that it's a it's an imaginal experience. We're working imaginally. Not imagine. That's not to say it's imaginary. Imaginal in the sense of, of, of entering another realm, an imaginal realm. And as we enter that realm, we are building the temple um, together, really. And, 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 and so the next person that comes into the zodiac, I believe, can then benefit from that richness that's been created there. Yeah. We're certainly experiencing that. I'll just have a quick story. We, 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 we uh, were at the bullseye in Taurus in our landscape, which is a pond, the duck pond. And we, we're, we're uh, putting crystals into each of the 12 on our workshops. And so we, th- we actually got one of the guys whose birthday it was to throw the crystal into the middle of the pond and in our ceremony. And then we just did a very light uh, eye uh, meditation on the actual pond. And the surface of the pond was just shimmering with new life. Talk about an alchemical process. It was just absolutely alive with energy and just vibrant. So there's there's definitely a response back and forth between the people and the land, isn't there? Fantastic, and that's amazing. I mean, that's just that's a beautiful experience. I mean, there used to be a pond on our bullseye as well, but we we also had a rifle range on our bullseye <laughs> as well, coming straight out of it, like the, the the direction where they used to fire from is coming straight out of the eye, um, straight barrel all the way to the Sagittarius figure yeah it was uh, no, and these things show up in all in all the figures you know it's a, it's a, it's amazing yeah so John we, we actually don't have that much time left but I'd love you to just give us a real quick um, insight into how this affects the people who are taking the journey I well, what I've noticed over the years is that what, what happens is people people discover aspects of their creativity that they weren't aware of. We've had we've had uh, and and and, what, and they become their creativity ends up being expressed and without any kind of encouragement from us really at all um, by by ded- by creating something which is dedicated to the zodiac. So we've had people create zodiac journeys through music, um, through making zodiac masks. My wife's making a a huge um, beautiful. A mosaic of the Glastonbury Zodiac. Uh, we've got somebody making cards. Somebody else has made a dodecahedron with twelve faces with embroidered signs on them. I mean, it's and and, and people are out of that. You know, that's one example. But it's 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 creativity. I think it's the it's and it's the it's it's the power of creativity and healing together. People heal deep wounds, or they or they're able to open a wound which has maybe been sealed up and they've been afraid to. To reveal the vulnerability around a particular area, it opens things up. It's opened up paths for people. Um, one of my favourite examples is that a lady who did the Sagittarius workshop has now gone and become a mounted archer. She was wow. so inspired. Workshop, <laughs> she now rises. She, she was already a rider, but she's now learned to, to learn archery, and she's riding off around the country with, with her bow well, and arrow. 
unfortunately we're right right out of time so I do want to give you the chance to just to let people know your website and how people can contact you you are an outstanding astrologer in just just with the astrology I know as well as doing the landscape work so just give people your information okay yeah I mean I've got two websites uh, my astrology website is uh, www.kairosastrology.co.uk that's k-a-i-r-o-s astrology.co.uk and my for the Alchemical Journey, it's um, thealchemicaljourney.co.uk. Fantastic. And, and I really hope that we get the chance to continue uh, this connection so you can help me uh, maneuver our way through, <laughs> through that, our landscape, although it's actually going really, really well. And I really appreciate your time with us today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Peter. Well, I've got a lot to, a lot to reflect on myself after, after this show. And um, my guest uh, next week will be Lynn Serafin, who is a transformational coach. Uh, she'll be talking about the garden of the soul, living your authentic self. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's been an absolute pleasure with uh, John. Have a great week. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.